Hello and welcome back once again to the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast. This is episode 179. John and Wendy talk to Rocky Howard. I'm your host, John. And I'm Wendy. How are you, John? Wendy, I am well. Hard to believe we're at the end of July. We want to thank once again our friends over at Hewler. Yes. Well, well across across <laughs> across, across the, the pond. pond. We really do appreciate Hewler being yes. with us for the entire month. And yes. to Nikki Hoyland and her entire staff, just thank you for being part of this adventure. And, and Wendy, yep. I think they didn't realize what they were signing up for. They did not. When not only being with us, but, but the fact that they kind of got an added bonus when we hit our major milestone last week. That was, uh, we knew it was coming, but you don't, you can't really predict that um, exactly when it's going to show up. But, you know, John, congratulations, 100,000 downloads. Did you ever imagine in your wildest no. dreams? <laughs> no, I, I can remember when we used to talk about 50 or 100 and mm-hmm. way back when, you know, I would send you a note every time we hit a thousand and the right. next yep. thousand. Yeah. It, it is uh, incredibly humbling, amazing. Yeah. Never would have dreamed it. Never no. thought about it. Never. You actually get Podbean gives you a banner or a, a thing when you hit a hundred. That was kind of a fun little thing. Yeah. We had talked about if for those of you that missed the Ask Us Anything show, the intent was to have a beer mm-hmm. that we would have to celebrate, not on the show, but actually be able for people to have a social hour ale. Yeah. Uh, sadly, that's not going to be the case. No. We're still figuring something out for everybody. It may be as simple as a sticker that said, I listened to the HR Social Hour and all I got was a stupid sticker. I don't know. <laughs> we did have the idea from uh, Kyra Mekovich to have a special bananas foster ice cream. So uh, I am trying to figure that out, how that might work in an ice cream. So maybe we have a special edition of uh, ice cream. How we get that sent out to people, we'll have to see. <laughs> we, we will have to see, but but we do want to thank... Everyone that's yes. taken part, listeners, sponsors, guests, fans, everybody. anybody and everybody that's been part of this adventure so far. And yep. I have to tell you, Wendy, Rocky is the first person and probably the only person I've ever bonded with over a burrito restaurant that <laughs> shut down 25 years ago. When we first spoke, we were talking about Chicago, and oh. I mentioned the Big Burrito, rest in peace, Big Burrito. We just hit it off, and I was like, oh, she's got to come on the show now, because not only is she doing awesome stuff yes. in what she does in, in her day job, but she actually remembers the Big Burrito, too. So <laughs> let's make the introduction and get started. For sure. So I am super pumped to welcome Rocky to the show. She is acknowledged as one of the top 100 minority executives two years in a row. She is the chief diversity officer for Smart Recruiters and the host of the Voices of Diversity podcast and a tenured talent acquisition strategist. She is proud over 40 black Christian wife and mom who prioritizes being a voice for the underrepresented She is on a mission to help her customers disrupt the intersection of diversity and recruitment and create systems that lead to simple, substantive, sincere, and sustainable diversity solutions. She believes if we change the lives of the underrepresented, we change the world. And I agree with that wholeheartedly, Rocky. I'm so excited to have you on the show. Uh, Our first question, as always, what is in your glass? First of all, before I say that, I just want to say as a fan of the show, 
as a Southside Chicagoan and as a fellow podcaster, I'm so excited about your milestone. Congratulations. Um, and thank you for inviting me to be part of the show. I'm so excited to be here. What's in my glass? Well, I will tell you, my glass is pretty full right now. Um, I have had tons of exciting work going on with smart recruiters. Um, we are just about to launch our state of diversity hiring report, which is going to be really a good view of where we are in reality. If you are familiar with smart recruiters at all, you will just see I have hit the unicorn den. So smart recruiters just hit unicorn status. We just did our series E valued at 1.5 billion. And had a ton of investment behind that. So we are starting to hire like crazy. So if you're looking for a job, come check us out. Um, with that, I've been supporting our HR team. And um, I'm working, our, our podcast just hit its 20th episode. We're about to come out of hiatus. And I'm still in that place that you are where every couple of hundred or every thousand, we just hit 2,000 downloads. And I thought I would turn a cartwheel in my living room. And I am working on a project that hopefully when it goes a little bit more public, I can come back and talk with you guys about, but fundamentally asking the question, is the seat enough? I am also about to renew my vows and celebrate my 30th wedding anniversary. So my glass is pretty full. Oh, wow. Congratulations. 30 That's years is awesome. It is. And more importantly, I love him every day and still like him most days. So this is, we're, we're, we're doing well. I love it. Rocky, let's step back just a little bit. How exactly did you get your start in human resources and recruiting? And then what led to this move to smart recruiters as, as the chief diversity officer? I'm guessing you want the real story, not the like prettied up version of the story. <laughs> You want to hear whatever you think people should know. You know, and I do think it's important for people to realize that not everyone follows a traditional path, right? And, you know, goes to school and majors in something and graduates and then go and does that thing. And I am probably a really um, good example of that. And not everybody starts off in a perfect and privileged path. So I was actually working retail and... My now husband of 30 years then was not my husband. And I decided we got get knocked up before we got married. And so, you know, this put me in a bit of a quandary. I've got quite a bit of energy. And so the thought of sitting at home for three or four months waiting to relocate and do all of this, we were in the middle of a transition, did not work. I couldn't keep working my retail job because I, I was at... Western and, oh, I can't think of the cross street. Anyway, I was deep in the hood. The store had been robbed like four times at gunpoint. And, you know, like when you have a baby in your belly, that's just not what you want to do. And so I showed up at a temp service and said out in Rosemont and said, look, I need a job. Don't know if you can tell. I really need a temp job because I'm not going to be around much and I'm kind of knocked up. And what do you have? I started as a temp receptionist for a recruiting firm. And 
actually um, sat at that front desk back in the day when like people had to actually come in and pick up a paycheck or they had to come in and do typing tests on this now defunct thing called a typewriter, right? <laughs> and, um, you know, things like that. And, and so I would get bored because there wasn't enough to do. And so then I'd start asking the recruiters, what is it that you do? And can I help you with this, et cetera? And so I fell in love with this whole thing of, oh my gosh, you mean I can talk all day, help people and make money? Well, like sign me up. And while that company did offer me a job, I didn't stay because I was relocating. They didn't have a location where I was going, but that was how I fell in love with recruiting. And so that has determined my path. And I've either been in TA or HR my whole career. You've done that. And then this smart recruiters opportunity opens up. How did that come to pass? I had the opportunity to really grow and excel in my recruiting and my talent acquisition career. And I love TA. I spent the last 13 years with the, or in the RPO industry. And the more I spent time in RPO, I ran global teams um, across the globe. And as I grew as a leader, as a Black woman, I felt a real responsibility to drive diversity within the teams that I had direct responsibility for. I ultimately then decided to get involved in diversity committees. I actually chaired um, my previous employer's diversity council globally. And so I started to build a reputation for getting really great diversity outcomes, started to help our clients with that specialty. You know, much like a lot of us, 2020 was a year where you look yourself in the mirror and go, if I left today, am I doing what I want to do? Is this what I want my legacy to be? And for me, the question really came about is how do I impact this diversity conundrum in a broader way? And at the same time that I was asking myself those questions and had kind of written some things on a wall about what I would do if I could, um, and this is the important thing about doing a good job as you go, a previous boss of mine came and, and we were having a conversation. He's like, I have the perfect job for you. And I got introduced to Jerome over at Smart Recruiters. And it was the perfect job because I do have a non-traditional CDO role. I do have responsibility for Smart Recruiters' internal diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging initiatives. And it's, it's very special to my heart. But I also have responsibility for looking at how we help our customers really drive their diversity hiring outcomes. And so to not have to walk away from all these years of being in the TA industry and driving impact, not just for my company, but for companies across the globe was just a dream job. That's awesome. I can tell how much you love it just based on you know, your excitement in your voice when you talk about it. I love to talk to people who get excited about their job. What do you believe is the biggest hurdle organizations are currently facing when it comes to sustaining diversity initiatives? Ooh, we only have 30 minutes, so. <laughs> we can go a little long. You'd have to go three days, John. You know, um, ultimately, let me just say this. I think diversity is a complex complex thing to try to resolve for. So first of all, when I think about diversity, it's diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, right? And when you think about that holistically, the challenge is this is the only business proposition that for me is a hearts and minds issue. So when you think about diversity, it's not like 
you know, building a new sales strategy, right? I have to actually not only have a framework and goals and objectives and KPIs and training and all of these types of things, but diversity also challenges privilege. It challenges long-held values of individuals. This is a complex construct to be able to address. It's uncomfortable. We're asking people to now talk about things in the workplace that for many of us, we were told our whole lives were no-go. Like I I grew up certainly being told never to talk about race or religion or sex or politics in, in the workplace. And certainly it's even removing some of the traditional language and constructs that were given. You know, when I grew up, a lot of times it was be grateful that you have a job. Don't complain about these things. Oh, that's just how people are. You just have to accept it. You as a Black woman have to work twice as hard to get half as much. Those are all things and constructs that we have to address. And this is why it's such a challenge. So I know people tend to want an answer that really is more about oh, here is the magic checklist that will help you resolve it. There isn't one, right? And so I fundamentally believe why this is complicated is because you're trying to address heart issues like the values and the perspectives and the biases that we've grown up with. And quite frankly, the racism that a lot of us has grown up with in addition to, let's put this in a business construct and all of the systemic things that you then have to change. Rocky, you mentioned that one of the things you really enjoy with smart recruiters is that you still are in this talent acquisition space. I think between the three of us, 60 plus years experience doing this, I think we can agree that as much as things change, a lot of things stay the same with what we do. What are you seeing with the organizations that you're supporting beyond the diversity initiative piece, you know, what else do you think companies are going to be focusing on in the next several years when it comes to recruiting? It's interesting because I think we are looking at all of the technology that helps empower the process. And so there is this constant conversation about how do you automate the process, et cetera. I've never been exceptionally concerned about that because I think the automation is really about how do you make recruiters more productive and allow them to focus on what's really the core of their job, which is connecting with people and understanding people and understanding the needs of people and then building a value proposition for what their organization has to offer that meets the needs of those people. John, Wendy, you you guys go back to when we started recruiting, you know, in the quad, on the desk, (laughs) you know, with the fax machine and when you could still smoke in buildings and like back in that day where you had your piece of paper that you made your hundred calls a day. You guys, I know you know what I'm talking about, but the great thing about that is when, when I grew up as a recruiter, you could not present a candidate without understanding their why. Why is it that they're looking? What's really going to help them move? What are their challenges right now? What's their circumstance? 
how, when I learned to recruit before we'd make an offer at certain levels, you had to actually talk to that person's spouse, you know, or their partner. Like you could not literally, I couldn't go, oh, I want to make an offer unless I'd done that. And so the beauty of growing up like that is I learned a lot about really what the function of a recruiter is. If you bring that fast forward to what companies are trying to do today, you see all of this focus on candidate experience. We didn't have to talk about candidate experience so much in the day because we couldn't put candidates into a blind pipeline where they applied online and they just kind of fell through the cracks, right? You had to actually talk to people and you had to respond to them and you had to follow up with them. So I think from my point of view, the consistency in that theme is going to be about candidate experience. How do we then leverage the best parts of technology? What do we automate to make space for this very specialized person that's really a a, a wonderful kind of matchmaker between what a candidate is looking for and what a company needs and and what a company needs and what a candidate is looking for? Well, you know what I mean. I think so. I think so. No, you got it. And I love that, you know, trying to find that balance between the contact and the technology, because we can use the technology to mask some of, you know, take the place of some of that contact, but we need to make sure that it's meaningful and not just, you know, autobotic or sounding like a robot. Love that. Can't wait to see more, see where that takes us for sure. For sure. Rocky, you've been podcasting for a while, and we love talking with other podcasters. That's one of our favorite things. Tell us about Voices of Diversity, how you got started, and what's been the biggest surprise for you? So I think for me, um, there was a gap as I came into this diversity work, right? There's so much time spent on the larger framework that we have to be able to address to make progress within our all of our companies. But I found from my perspective, I just wasn't spending as much time as I would prefer to spend talking about people. How does this problem impact people? That's how the Voices of Diversity was born, because I wanted to be able to tell the stories of what it feels like to be historically excluded. What is that experience like? And and when you go back to something that I said earlier about this being a heart and mind issue, Sometimes people just don't have experience. They can't even imagine what this feels like. Sometimes people are going, oh, no, that doesn't still happen, or people are overinflating it. And so I really wanted to create a platform to tell the story. So Voices of Diversity tells the stories of people who have been historically excluded in various dimensions of diversity and what it feels like to be excluded in working corporate America. So everyone from people on the autism spectrum to single moms to black leaders, we do it all. And I think the thing that surprises me about it all is it's been well received. We just started in January this year. And I think Every single episode, there's a moment in that episode where someone says something that imprints itself on my heart. And I'll, I'll give you an example. So Dr. Dave Caudell, who, who has Asperger's during his interview said it was harder for him to get his PhD in physics than to learn how to have a conversation with a stranger. 
I feel like every single episode that we do, we get this nugget that helps people understand why it's important for these stories to be told. As much as we love podcasts, we love stories even more. I love a good story, right? (laughs) We love gleaning something out of all these conversations too. And there's not enough of us, I don't think, telling these kind of stories or talking to people. Rocky, you know, we crowdsource questions now from previous guests. Chris Hadley asked, if you had a theme song for when you entered a room to present, what would it be? Oh, that's easy. I do have a theme song. It's Whitney Houston, Shaka Khan, I'm Every Woman. It's all in me. I love it. I love it. Yeah, it's on my power playlist, so I love the song. Now, have you actually used it to go into speak when you're doing something? I actually out? have. Nice. Nice. I actually have. <laughs> I think oh, I, I think it. you're probably the first person we've had that we can probably say has actually had theme music going yeah. in. Yeah. I don't do it often because it's that, you know what, when you've got those kind of powerful voices, you better be able to back it up. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well, with that, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. World where working habits and patterns have been forever changed, feeling connected to the systems, tools, and people that you rely on daily can be increasingly challenging and time-consuming. Imagine a digital launchpad to all of your sites, systems, and applications. A place where no matter where in the world you are, you can communicate, collaborate, share, and feel truly connected to your workplace and colleagues. Say hello to the future of workplace engagement. Say hello to Hula. Hula is a more human way to work and play. It allows you to organize and streamline your work and life inside a beautiful and customizable user experience. The future of work is a simple, beautiful, and smart way to link you to everywhere. Hula makes life and work easier. No more endless clicking and searching for links. It's probably the easiest three clicks you'll ever make to get to the content you need most. It's that simple. Hula is everything you need now in one place. Try Hula for free today at Hula.io. And we are back. Rocky, it is now time for everyone's favorite part of our show, the Half Hour Question Connection. What career did you dream of having when you were a child? I wanted to be a dancer. I grew up in the days of fame, and I, I wanted to be a dancer. I danced for 13 years. Wow. Did you do any specific kind, all kinds? So it was ballet, tap, modern dance, what's now known as contemporary. Rocky, who's one person you've gained your network in the last year you think more people should know? Oh, I hate this question. My network has expanded so much in the last year. Right now, um, I have my nose in the book called Plantation Theory by John Graham. And he is an incredible strategist over at Shaker Recruitment. Shaker's doing some really great things around putting together kind of a cultural index around race for organizations. And John's just written this this book with a very provocative title called Plantation Theory. I'm going to throw John out there. There's a whole list of people. So if you're listening and I've met you in the last year, don't be mad. How do you maintain balance? I don't. I really <laughs> don't. I, I, you know what? That's the truth, right? I, I strive for balance. It's not part of my personality, quite frankly. I mean, I, I, I am a high energy person. I'm all or nothing. And so I don't do very well with balance. I would not ever want anyone to follow my lead in this. This is not a way where I set a really good example. 
but I will say that, you know, my husband is really key and critical for kind of calling me out and tapping my shoulder when I just get too far over the edge. And he will just say, you know what, like enough is enough. I'll be honest. I'm not good at balance. That's okay. How do you enjoy giving back to the HR recruiting community? You know what, for me, it's really about mentorship. I have several mentors that are in the HR community. I set aside a couple of days a month where people want to connect and communicate and ask questions and share ideas. And I think it's important for us to stay connected and learn from each other and grow. Rocky, what's your favorite movie? Uh, So again, a really, really long list. But the one that's on the perennial is... Um, I don't know if you guys will know this. I'm going to old school. It's Working Girl. So, uh, yeah, let's go back to late 80s, early 90s, Melanie Griffin and uh, Harrison Ford. I just always saw a bit of who I wanted to be in that movie when I saw it. So it's still one of my favorites. How about the first concert you remember attending? So it was actually a jazz concert and her name was Randy and I can't think of the last name. And then, you know, the first kind of rowdy one was Jodeci. Yeah, I'm a 90s R&B <laughs> boy band kind of girl, right? <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. What was the last show you binge watched? Oh, so my husband and I have been binge watching The Good Wife. Uh, (laughs) So really, you know, love The Good Wife, love the show. Yeah, we're in season seven, wrapping it up right halfway through towards the very last episode. So yeah, The Good Wife. Rocky, what's a hobby or a thing you really like to do that may surprise people? I think it would surprise people to know that I like to sew. Because I think when people think about me, they don't think about domesticated types of things. And certainly seeing me have the patience to enough to sit down and actually sew. But I actually love to sew. Fancy machines and everything. I do. I do. I wind up doing it in splurges, though, um, because I just don't have time. And then, you know, something will come up. You can always guarantee you want to see me sew. Show up around at my house a week before Christmas. I've always got some project going on. Been going on. Good time to catch me. The sewing machine's out. The dining room table's filled with my crap and all of that. And Joanne's appreciates me. <laughs> well, Rocky, as uh, John mentioned in our last segment, we are crowdsourcing and getting in, uh, others to provide some input on questions we should ask. If you could ask the next guest of the podcast any question, what would it be? I think it would be, um, I'm thinking about a few of the questions that I ask people in my speed round on my podcast. One of the questions that I ask people all the time is what's their superpower? I believe everybody has a superpower. What's your superpower? How did we not think of that? I don't know. That is a perfect question. That may have the next time we we switch around the. No, no, uh, no. I'm not. I'm not lifting questions from other. No, no. Congratulations. All the time. (laughs) Not supposed to tell anybody. We don't. We don't steal. We borrow. And we we would give you. We would give her credit every time. Good point. Okay. Fair enough. Look, it's really hard to reframe that one. (laughs) We crowdsource, right? It's just we crowdsource. crowdsource. That's right. That's what we do. I love to hear people's answer to that, though. We asked Chris Hadley about his theme song. So I'm going to ask you, what what is your superpower? 
I asked my daughter this because my oldest daughter, so I'm a wife and mother of four. And my oldest daughter told me, and she, why it's important that my oldest daughter is because my oldest daughter has not grown up, only my daughter, but she and I've had the work opportunity to work together at two companies. So I felt like she was well-placed to talk about and tell me what she felt my superpower was. And she said that I had my ability to take nothing and turn it into something. She's seen me do it in personal. She's seen me do it in professional and that ability to take nothing and turn it into something. And I happen to agree. That's awesome. Rocky, I appreciate the fact that you have a superpower to create a podcast and to be at this for as long as you have and to remember the big burrito because that, <laughs> that's a superpower. I can't thank you enough for doing this. You know, I was so excited after our last conversation to get you on board and have this conversation. I knew Wendy was going to be really excited to have you here too. And uh, this is just a great way to end the month and keep things moving. So I'm going to assume that most of our listeners are probably connected with you, but if they are not, best way for me to reach you out there and to find the podcast. Yeah. So they can find the podcast in any podcast player. It is called the voices of diversity. You could also go to our website at thevoicesofdiversity.com. Um, I am most active on LinkedIn. It's Rocky with an I. Howard, please come connect with me. I'm also out there on Twitter and Instagram, but, you know, like, that's a gamble. <laughs> but I monitor LinkedIn all the way. So absolutely would love to connect. We will have that in the show notes. And then, Wendy, how about you? Best way for listeners to find you out there. Best way, as always, is on my blog, mydailyjourney.com, daily D as in dog, A-I-L-E-Y. And of course, the second and fourth Sunday of each month, you will find me on Twitter, 7 p.m. Eastern time as part of our twice monthly Twitter chat. How about you, John? Once again, I want to thank Hewler for joining us for the entire month of thank July. You, sponsor. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We, we always appreciate it. And again, first international sponsor. Great way to do it and to be able to celebrate our milestone with us. But as for me, johntherman.com for all things John Thurman and for the show, hrsocialhourpodcast.podbean.com. Listen, rate, review, share, follow. Whatever platform you're on, just hit that follow and you'll get every show every week when it comes out. International listeners, continue to be blown away. I think for the month of July, I think we picked up four or five new countries. It's just amazing. And we want to talk to you. So please reach out to us. You know the ways to do it. We're anywhere and everywhere. I'm, I fully believe somehow you can find us. Let's talk and let's let's have you part of the conversation on the show. Rocky, again, really appreciate you being with yes, us. Thank and you. So for the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast, I'm John. And I'm Wendy. And as always, be sure to connect. Give back and network. network. Take care, everybody. We'll see you soon. <laughs>